And we have been going through a series uh, over the last uh, number of weeks on stewardship. And so Pastor West took us through the, uh, the talk on the stewardship of our story and just sharing our stories with other people. And uh, Barry Schmidt, uh, he spoke about the stewardship of our time. And, uh, and then um, <clears throat> on Mother's Day, uh, our ladies, uh, Ramona and the ladies panel, uh, they spoke about the stewardship of our gifts that all of us have been given, spiritual gifts, and you heard lots of opportunities this morning about using your gifts. But uh, today I'm going to be talking about stewardship of money. <clears throat> And while, yeah, I'm going to be talking about money, uh, I hope you heard in there that I didn't say the stewardship of your money, because that's not the message that I want to give you this morning, and you're going to hear more about that and why. But uh, as I talk about this, it's, it's really not just talking about money, it's talking about our hearts. And that's kind of really the focus of where I want to go this morning. And I want to start off just by saying that God does not need our money. God does not need your money. <clears throat> when last I checked descriptions of heaven, it was a pretty classy place. <laughs> and, you know, cobblestone on the streets is gold. Uh, walls have got precious stones. It's a pretty amazing place. And, and so I haven't heard anywhere as I've read scripture that God needs money. He's doing okay. He doesn't have to worry about the lights going out. You know, uh, the book of Revelation says that Jesus and the Father are the lights in heaven. And, and so uh, he does not need our money. So why talk about money? Uh, well, the reason why is because it is just simply an indicator or it's a root of things that are far, far deeper and much more important. It's about our hearts. <clears throat> and this morning I especially want to focus on the idea, the, the uh, concept that uh, of ownership versus stewardship. And uh, ownership and stewardship really is a matter of whether we trust God or not about and with the stuff that surrounds us in our life. And the ownership-stewardship battle is a battle that has been going on, you're going to hear, since the beginning of time, and it's still a battle that takes place in all of our hearts. And it's still a battle that I face in my heart. Uh, many of the battles that I have fought in my life are not done, and they will not be done until I set foot in heaven. And, uh, and this battle is one that we face. In fact, it started right in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. And uh, the, in chapter 3 of Genesis, it says, Now the serpent was, far more, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat of any tree in the garden? You hear what he's saying there? Did he really see you can't eat of any tree in the garden? He's kind of putting the thought in her mind, can you really trust God? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You'll not surely die 
The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. We often blame this on Eve, but Adam was standing right beside her. You know, Adam and Eve at that point they chose to think like owners and not stewards. And they took the one thing, the only thing that God asked them not to touch. And they questioned God as his trustworthiness and they took it and they ate it. And when they did, the cost that they bore was the cost of they lost the authority that God gave them and the incredible bounty and benefits that God wanted to have them to have over all of his creation and they brought themselves under the curse of the enemy and under the curse of sin and of death and that is the battle that is still being waged today with the enemy of our souls. I'm going to flip forward over to Jesus. And, and one of the parables that Jesus told, Jesus, a lot of his teaching was done in parables. And, uh, and one of his parables was about the kingdom of heaven. And he said this, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything that he had and he bought it. There's a story about a young businessman who was just starting up a business in jewelry and he walked into a quaint old jewelry shop that traded in rare and precious gems and in a special display case he saw an exquisite single pearl and he knew instantly that it was of incredible value and the worth was far more than he could ever dream or afford to pay. The owner of the store saw him eyeing the pearl and he walked over and he said, son, you've got a good eye for value. He said, I can see that you can see the value of this pearl. I've never had one like it in the store before and I can see that you deeply want to buy it but it looks to me like you don't have the money to pay for it. Is that right? The young man sadly shook his head in agreement. The jeweler looked at the young man and he said, I think I can make a deal with you. I'm willing to exchange this pearl for everything that you have in your pockets right now. Take everything out of your pockets and put them on the counter. Now I'm thinking about what I'm carrying here right now in my pockets and my keys are down there, so I'm okay. And so the young man did what he was told. And so the owner looked at the display of things that were on the counter and the first thing he picked up was the wallet and he opened it up and the cash that was inside, he took it out and he said, this cash, this is mine. He saw the credit cards and the bank card and he said, your, your credit, your, your, your financial resources, leverage, your, your bank accounts, have you got some bank accounts? He said, yes, I do. He said, those are mine. I'll take them. And he said, by the way, do you have a retirement account? He said, well, yes, I do. He said, okay, I want that too. He said, everything. And then he looked over and there was a ring of keys sitting on the counter. And he took up 
the set of keys and he looked at the first two keys on the, on the key rack and, and, he, and he said, what are these two keys for? He said, well, those are for my, my car and for my business truck. And, and the owner said, okay, they're mine. I'll take them. And then he looked at another key on the ring and he said, what's this key for? He said, well, that's for my house. He says, well, okay, your house is mine. You can sign it over to me. And he looked at the last key on the ring. He said, what's this key for? He said, well, that's for my shop. That's for my store. And the owner said to him, okay, I want all of your income. I want everything that you're going to make in your store. It's all mine. The young man thought he was done. But then the shop owner looked at his hand. He said, Are you, you're wearing a ring. Is that a wedding ring? And he said, yes, it is. He said, have you got a family? And the young man said, yeah, I have a, a wife and two, two daughters. He said, give me the ring. And your family, they're mine. And, and so the young man was standing there with nothing. With all of the, everything in his life was in his, the owner's hands. And the man slowly slid the pearl over to him. And then as he did that, he began by taking the wallet and he set it down on the table and he said, you know what? My business is doing really well. He said, I want you to take your wallet and here's the cash. He said, I want you to use it. And he said, I want you to enjoy using it. But as you are using it, I want you to remember that it does belong to me. And so I want you to look for opportunities and places where you can use your finances so that you can bless others in my name. And he said, you know, your house? He says, well, he says, I've got a house <laughs> and mine's pretty good. And he said, I don't really need your house. So I'm going to give you the key back for your house, but... This is what I want you to do. You know, every once in a while, I'm going to have dealers and people and friends coming to, to do business with me. And when they do, some of them will need a place to stay. And so I want you to open up your home and I want you to invite them to stay with you and enjoy your home with you. I want you to enjoy it yourself, but I want you to, to share it with others because it's mine. He gave him back the keys. He said, I don't really do a lot of driving. He says, I'm wealthy enough. He says, I actually have a guy that does my driving for me. He said, so I want to give you these keys back. He said, but I want you to just keep in mind as you're driving around, watch people and look around. And, you know, there might be somebody that needs a ride on the side of the road. Or there might be somebody that, that you know that doesn't have a job. It might be your next-door neighbor or, or a, a car to get to their job. It might be your next-door neighbor. It might be a friend of yours. He said, I want you to use my car to bless other people and to give them rides when they need it. And then lastly, he slid the ring back over. He says, I want you to go home and enjoy your family. But they're my family. They belong to me. They're my treasures and I love them. And he said, I want you to bring them to visit me, to get to know me because I want to get to know them. And he said, I want you to love them because I love them. And so the young man walked out of the store with everything that he had come with, but a completely different frame of mind. You know, what's the big principle here? The big principle is this. 
Everything we've got, everything God's given us, it's all his. And he's given it to us to use for his purposes. Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples, he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to go. So are we stewards of what is his? Or are we owners? It makes a really big difference. I want to take a look at a couple of principles of God and giving. It comes from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. And God begins by saying this, I, the Lord, do not change. We serve, we believe, in an unchanging God. He's the same God from before creation until today, through the Old Testament, through the New, New Testament. God does not change. His character does not change. His principles don't change. And he said to the nation of Israel, and they were forever getting into trouble by being disobedient and basically just ignoring God. And he said, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. <laughs> he says, because I am actually a gracious and a merciful God. Otherwise, I would have done you guys in. He says, but because I am who I am, I have not destroyed you. But he says, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, said the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? This is God speaking. He says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent the destroyer from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast off or shed their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed because yours will be a delightful land, says the God Almighty. Wow. This text shows us about God's character and about how God wants us to view finances. Money. The first thing is God that giving God of our best and of our first is what He wants from us. Again, I'm going to take us back to the very beginning of the Bible, back to Genesis chapter 4, and it's the story of Cain and Abel. And uh, the Bible, the text here says, Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. So I want you to listen to the difference between these two offerings that were brought. About Cain, it says... You know, in the course of time, you know, along the way, 
Cain decided that he should bring an offering to God, so he brought some of the fruit, some of the produce that he grew. And here's what it says of Abel. Abel brought fat portion. Now, if you know anything about the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, the fat portions were the absolute prize of the sacrifice. They went onto the fire first. It says that Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. He didn't wait until he had a hundred and then he could bring a couple. He didn't wait until he had ten. He said the firstborn. And it was actually a deal that God had made with Israel further down in history as well. I often wondered, you know, why did God accept Abel's but not Cain? And it was because Abel was placing God first and honoring him with the first and with his best. It just says, you know, Cain brought some. It's like he didn't really even put a lot of thought to it. Malachi doesn't say give some. He says bring your whole tithe. Now, in the scripture, the tithe, if you look up a tithe in the dictionary, it means 10%, one-tenth. And there are many examples of tithing in scripture, uh, and I don't have time to go through a bunch of them, but uh, one is very early was when Abraham had won a great victory over the king of Elam, and it says that he met a priest whose name was Melchizedek, and when he met the king, uh, priest Melchizedek, it says that he offered, he gave 10% of everything that he had. And in the nation of Israel, the tithe in Israel was all about remembering their redemption. God wanted them to remember that he had redeemed them from slavery. And when God spared their firstborn, that night, that last night, the last of the ten plagues, when God said he was going to go through and kill every firstborn except the houses that had sacrificial blood on their doorposts. And he instructed the Israelites to sacrifice a lamb, to spread his blood, and that that blood would redeem them. And when the angel came, he would pass by. He would pass over. That's why we have the word pass over. He redeemed them by shed blood of sacrificed lamb. And when he did that, he said to the entire nation, you are mine. I have paid for you. I have redeemed you. You belong to me. And so God said, I want you in remembrance, in gratitude, I want you to bring back 10%. It belongs to me. And Jesus supports tithing in the New Testament when he challenged the hypocrisy and the religious spirit of the Pharisees. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And we kind of tend to jump over that tithing part and get into why he's really talking about that you guys have not been observing justice, mercy, and, and faithfulness. 
And it was true. He was talking about that. But he said, you should do this. It's important, but you shouldn't be ignoring this. And so some say, well, what he was saying was, you know, that, that mercy and justice and faithfulness are more important. But it's, he still said, well, you, but you should still have been doing what you did. See, guys, you just had your attitudes completely wrong. You made this about religious. You made this about you. And, you know, Jesus also said in another place, he said, when you give, notice he said, when you give, your father will bless you. And he doesn't say what the blessing will be, but he said, when you give, your father will bless you. Now, I left out a part about, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And sometimes we kind of get messed up with that. We think that, well, finances and giving and tithing and that that should be secret and we shouldn't talk about it. No, actually, that's not what it means at all. It just means don't make your giving about you. I think that as a faith community, I think that as a church, we should hold each other accountable. I think we should talk about finances and stewardship and, and, and giving. And we should lovingly hold each other accountable. You know, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So the churches at that time, they, they didn't have quite the structure or organization, didn't have a beautiful building like we did, but they were involved in ministry and in, in work. And one of the things they were doing was they were, they were raising money for the church in Jerusalem because a famine and great poverty had hit in the church of Jerusalem. And he said, so look, here's what you do. You get paid on the first day, so... On the first day of the week, set aside what you've chosen to set aside in keeping with your income, is what he said. In keeping with your income, set it aside so that when I come to pick up the whole offering, nobody's going to be embarrassed thinking, oh no, I spent it all on the rent. Yeah, he said, set it aside. Make it your first thing that you do. Our first and our best belongs to God and God says give me the first and I'll bless the rest give me your first and I'll bless the rest then there's a pretty harsh principle in here and that is that, that there is actually a curse for missing God's blessing or the curse of missing God's blessing you know the Israelites they were acting like owners not stewards and they were not Remembering, and they were not honoring God. And when we act like owners and not stewards, that leaves us open. He said, you know, if, if you don't return to me, you are opening yourself up to the curse of the devourer. We have an enemy, and his sole purpose is the destruction of everything good that God has created and everyone that God has has redeemed and for us especially as God's people his goal is our destruction he is a destroyer and the, what this text says is that if you withhold what's mine then I'm going to allow you to face the consequences 
of your choices. I'm not going to protect you in the places where I want to protect you. You are withdrawing from me and you are withdrawing from your relationship with me and you are withdrawing yourself from my protection. God said they were robbing him. And God didn't need their money. But they were robbing him of the opportunity to pour out the kind of blessing that he wanted to pour into their lives. And that was the curse. And Jesus said, you cannot obey both God and money. You either love the one and hate the other, or you will hate the one and love the other. We can't do both. And so there is a risk that we face that God is merciful, God is generous, but yet God also allows us exposure and risk of the attack of the enemy. And, and he misses out on blessing us. And then he actually describes the way that he's going to bless. God says, if you'll bring me your first, I will bless the rest. This is the only place in scripture where there is a test. God says, you can test me in this. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness in the second test, he said to the, he said to the enemy, to Satan, he said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So God does not... God does not respond well when we test him, but that is a test of unbelief. This is a test of trust. And he said, look, if you will take the step and you will trust me and you will bring your tithe, he said that I will pour out so much blessing on your life and into your life and into your land and into your nation. He said, you won't be able to store it up. There will be so much. And he said, yeah, and you can test me on this. And friends, we can do that. We can test God's faithfulness. But here's the key point. God is for us. He's on our side. He wants to bless us. And he will hold himself responsible to fulfilling his promises to us. And he will bring his best good into our lives. In Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And then lastly, my final point is the giving that we do, the sacrificing that we sacrifice, we can actually send it on ahead. Do you know that? We can send our gifts ahead, our rewards to be waiting for us in heaven. Jesus said this, do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also and Jesus told his disciples this as well and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father and mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life he had just said this response to his disciples and to Peter because Peter had just said, Lord, where, where can we go? <laughs> We've given up everything to follow you. And he said, Peter, everything that you have sacrificed, 
Everything that you have given up in this life to honor me. So I'm going to replace it a hundred times. Now we know that in the lives of the apostles, of the 12 apostles, one betrayed them, so that left 11. Of the other 11 apostles, 10 of them, their lives ended in martyrdom. They were killed for their faith. So we're saying, where's this 100-time blessing? It's, it's, it's not a blessing of finances. And this is not all about, if you give God 100 bucks, he's going to give you back 10,000. You know? It is if we will give God our first and our best, and if we will be willing to sacrifice a little now, the rewards that we reap, especially in eternity, are going to be overwhelming. We can send it ahead. So, in conclusion today, just a couple points to leave with you. The first one is this. It's all his. It's not ours. It's all his. The second one is he doesn't want us to experience the curse of missing out on his blessing. And fourthly, if we will trust God with our first and with our best, he will bless the rest. And lastly, our sacrifices now are an investment in the treasure that we have waiting in in eternity in heaven. So I got just two kind of points of challenge this morning. If you are a regular giver and this is part of your life and you've been disciplined and this is something you've learned and you're enjoying it, you just get great joy and fulfillment out of blessing God and blessing other people. I want to ask, you know, if the opportunity comes, would you share your story with others that might be struggling? And not share it to, to blame or to cause shame or anything like that, to encourage to encourage them to be able to step into God's blessing. Would you do that? And then secondly, ask Jesus if what you are giving is honoring. We kind of use 10% as the baseline. I'm not hung up on numbers and percentages, but, but there might be some of us, you know, and I kind of fall into that category myself now because... My house is paid off. I don't have a mortgage. I'm not worried about interest rates going up. In fact, I'm going to make money. <laughs> I don't have a car payment. The Aquaterra bill, well, it's still too high, but I can't do anything about that. But you know what? There may be some of you, some of us, for whom 10% actually isn't the God-honoring amount. I will leave that to you and Jesus. You pray about that. Just ask him. If you are struggling, the first thing I want to ask you to do is, would you pray and ask Jesus to put it into your heart to become generous to give? Would you pray about that? Because I don't want this. If, if you walk out of here saying, Rod made me feel guilty today, that's the last thing I want to do this morning. This is not about guilt. This is not about religious. But if you're struggling, would you just pray And would you ask Jesus to put it in your heart to give so that you wouldn't experience it as a grudging thing, that you would get joy out of it? And then secondly, if you're struggling, and if you're asking the question, yeah, but will I have enough? Would you try the test? And maybe you can only 
Maybe you can only do 50 bucks. Maybe you could do 1%. The numbers don't matter. But would you be willing to try taking the test and say God, saying to God, okay, God, I want to honor you. And so I'm going to give something out of the first. I don't know where everything is going to end up at the end of the month, but here it is. I'm going to give this to you. And then just see what he does with it. And then finally, God, let's just trust God. Because it's in his hands. It's all his. His.